The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Junta. We're joined with a special guest, a man that is a massive part of, in my opinion, the best bullpen in baseball, Brian Baker of the Baltimore Orioles. How are we doing, brother? Can't complain, man. Got a little off day here in, uh, in Chicago right now. Everything's good. The, uh, the birds are hot, so we're, uh, everybody's happy and uh, ready to keep, keep it going here. The birds are buzzing. The birds are buzzing. So I, I got. I want to talk about that. So when you're on a winning streak like you guys are on, or when you guys are playing as good as you are, are off days your worst nightmare? Has to be, right? <laughs> um, in a way, yeah. You kind of want to keep it going. But at the same time, it's nice to get a little, um, little rest in and kind of relax for a day and then recharge the batteries a little bit. Where are you guys right now? Chicago? Yeah, we're here for, we're here for uh, the Cubs for two games. I, I don't understand that whole lot. Like, the two game series makes zero sense to me. I have no yeah, idea. And listen, I'm a Jays guy, obviously. I'm from Toronto. So the Phillies are playing tonight in St. Louis. And then they have to fly after the seven o'clock game that ends at 10 to Toronto and play the Jays for a two game series and then leave. Like, I don't, yeah. I just don't. It, it, is that like, is, is Chicago, would you say Chicago is like your favorite place to visit, though? Have you been there before? Um, just a couple of weeks ago when we played the Sox it was my first time, uh, we were here for like a full weekend, a four game set. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, I say it's up there. I think, uh, I really hadn't been to a lot of the major cities that we've kind of run through so far, but, um, yeah, Toronto is definitely up there and I, I'm a big New York guy. I like going to New York as well. So are you a bougie guy when you go to New York? Like, do you go to like some of the designer shops and shit, or what are you what are you doing in New York? What's your go to no. thing? No, I, I'm not there. I'm not there yet with the with the bougie stuff. I can't I can't bring myself to to uh, spend some of the money on some of that stuff yet. But um, it's just I don't know. I think it's just the vibe in New York. Just coming from a smaller area, um, big cities like that have always kind of fascinated me. So I don't really do anything crazy. I'm a big uh, coffee and walk around and kind of explore a little bit uh, type of guy. So New York is a good spot for that. I respect that. What's the biggest difference you've noticed so far between like when you visit the Cubs to when you visit the White Sox? Like what, what's the biggest difference in like different parts of the city there? Um, 
Well, I don't know fully yet because we're staying in the same place. So it doesn't really <laughs> affect. <laughs> and then I haven't been to Wrigley yet. We go tomorrow. Uh, so that'll be the first time. But yeah, it's just I'll be able to compare a little bit more just from, I mean, we stay in the same place, but just probably driving different directions. Um, I know getting down to uh, the White Sox place was a little bit different. Um, a lot of you're driving through a lot of different stuff, but I mean, that stadium itself was pretty cool. What would you say is like so far besides Rogers center? Cause I'm biased. I think it's one of the best. What would you say is like your favorite park to visit? Like right now, like the nicest one where you've taken unlimited pictures for the Instagram snapshot, whatever you're buzzing right now. Um, uh, two stand out to me. I think strictly from a, um, like a baseball's perspective, like they appreciate the game of baseball and the stadium itself is just beautiful. Uh, St. Louis was like unbelievable. Bush was, was great to play in. And then in terms of just like a production of a game where you you're playing there and you feel like there's always something going on. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's just like the entertainment, like Mecca was Fenway for me. Fenway was, was awesome to, to be a part of. I got to ask about that because you were pitching, obviously you're in the bullpen there and the fans there are just absolutely fucking ruthless. So are are people body bagging you because you're a pretty tall guy. You got a mustache going, you're buzzing. I mean, obviously you're above average looking dude. Like, are they chirping you or how are they going through there? Like, did you catch any strays in that bullpen? Um, I'm sure there was a few, honestly, I think, uh, it's in New York. You're most likely to catch like the the real daggers that that are, you know that's uh, people try to cut deep on you. But uh, Boston, honestly, it wasn't. It was more like a big party. It wasn't like as many people focused on you know demeaning us and making sure that we were <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel like in New York they take a little more pride at that. A New York fans, how to be the worst on planet Earth? And I, listen, I, <laughs> so I run a Jays podcast, and I've caught in some fucking flack from these Yankees guys. Like every single win they get, it's just an extra DM I get of like, "You fucking suck, you pussy." So I, I do understand. I can't imagine. And yeah. all, and and we're talking about Yankee fans. A friend of the show, Oscar Mercado, he was the one that went toe to toe, almost fist fought a fan in right field. So I can't even imagine what it's like being an outfielder there. I like you. Yeah. Just, it's just you by yourself. Like at least when you're in the bullpen, right? You got all your boys with you. You guys can chirp back like the bullpen coach can kind of get into it. When you're in the outfield, it's just you versus like a full section of human (laughs) beings that are drunk, right? Like it's just the worst nightmare. You're just exposed right there. You just kind of got to sit there and wear it until your your inning is over. You're exactly right, 100%. And in the bullpen there, you at least have like the little – we have a little indoor section to where – you can kind of go in and it's almost just soundproof. They have like see-through glass right there. That's a nice touch. Hang out. Yeah. So that, that does help a little bit. That's a real nice touch. I mean, we got to talk, let's talk about your team, man. I mean, the Baltimore Orioles, I will say this, like they have four, like kind of, and listen, I'm, I might have to weasel you for a couple more guys in that bullpen. Cause I'm just fascinated with that team. Like I just yeah. need as many human beings from that team on this <laughs> podcast. They are the most, you guys are the most fascinating bunch I've ever seen. Like, and, li- and listen, I'm a, I'm a struggling Jays fan right now. You probably see how poverty this team is with this bullpen and shit. I'm looking at you guys and my melt, like I'm drooling. Like every guy in your bullpen <laughs> either throws a hundred or has like a sub two ERA and throws a hundred. So when you got like, what's the confidence like there right now? Because every single guy's a freak. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun to, to kind of keep everything going the way that we've been throwing it the whole year and just building momentum off of that. It's, uh, 
it's a funny, uh, strange group of guys, a bunch of different personalities, uh, a bunch of different backgrounds come from different, a lot of different places that, uh, we're all kind of put together in this, uh, in this funny little pin we have, but man, it's, it's been a blast so far. And yeah, like you said, it's the talent down there is absolutely ridiculous. So just to, uh, to kind of be able to go to work with those guys every day and kind of see what they're doing is, is pretty cool and kind of feeding off that. And, um, just kept trying to get better every day. Really, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome to be a part of. Who's one guy in that bullpen that you've kind of fed off of the most? Like you've learned the most from. You've elevated your game the most from. Because I just pulled up a stat here, and I want to say this because like we pump your tires. I pump your tires in this podcast, right? So you have a point nine six ERA in the last nine and one thirds of innings. Is that good, fucking stat geeks out there? What <laughs> like who's who's helped you elevate your game in that bullpen? Um, honestly, that could be, um, uh, could be a lot of different answers, but, uh, really just seeing, seeing Jorge Lopez, uh, the way that he's kind of gone about his business this year has been a, a standout for me, especially a guy that hasn't always been a reliever. So it's, yeah. he's kind of getting settled into this kind of newer role and then, um, just me being my first like actual full season in the big leagues, um, just kind of having that to kind of as a template almost to kind of feed off of, see the way he's going about his business. And then that, I mean, I think that's trickled down to a lot of the guys. I think we all um, kind of let loose and have a good time when we can. And then when it's time to go to work, we kind of have an idea of how to, how to go about that and then really just go out there and, and throw our best stuff. And that's what, that's what the Orioles have done a good job of empowering us to, to go out there and use our best stuff and not worry about anything else. And as you can see, it usually, it usually plays out pretty well. And yeah, you also have a guy that in my opinion made a massive difference to that bullpen. And one of my good friends, Tyler Burdett made the point. He, you guys picked up the pitching coach that was on the Astros, right? Chris Holt. Is that his name? Mm -hmm. I have that correct. Yeah. He is one of the most underrated pitching coaches, in my opinion, in baseball. What difference does having a massive guy like that who's been in for, on a part of really good staffs, really good teams, what has he kind of taught you? And, like, what's the presence that he has there with the pitching staff? Yeah, no, he uh, he does a great job. And it's obviously, yeah, you can tell he's been there and um, has a depth of knowledge. And then we have Darren Holmes as well, who is a big leaguer for a extremely long time with his yeah. experience. But they kind of feed off each other and then, yeah, it's um, any any kind of tweak you need to make or anything they're they're noticing um, you need to make an adjustment with something they're they're right there and then and kind of goes the same way with if you want to tweak a, a pitch the way it moves a certain way or you want to tweak a usage you want to throw a, a pitch a little bit more or mix it up with different um, locations and stuff it's you have whatever you need right there um, and then they really make that information simple for you and then use it. You can use it um, in the easiest way for you to where you can kind of go out there and you feel like you're in control of, of your inning and not having to worry about, you know, trying to throw a certain pitch, a certain place. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Just trying to attack with your best stuff. And that's what really what we've rolled with. And this is, this is just my dumb brain asking this question. So when you're a guy like you that throws absolute fuzz and shit like that, and you obviously know when your arm feels at its peak, right? Like, you know, when it's like, all right, this is, I'm going to let this shit eat today. What was that game for you this year where it's like, 
this my shit is falling off a table right now. I'm painting corners. I'm gonna let this motherfucker eat. What game was that for you this year? Um, I, I probably have had a few, but like the mo- the one that sticks out is probably in Toronto. Actually, when I got to go back to the Rochester, um, yeah, I I was just uh, I was excited to be back in that place, and Toronto's one of my favorite places to go play. So I. Uh, yeah, I think I that was right when I kind of started throwing the ball better and I started to find some below and stuff. So um, that combined with just the energy in that in the, in that stadium was that was a good that was a fun time. And you also wanted to kind of look a little bit like fuck. And Kirby Snead said the same thing, or I don't know if it was Kirby Snead. I think it was Zach Jackson said the same thing. You kind of have a little bit of an extra chip on your shoulder when you're there. Obviously, not they didn't give you a chance. I mean, you went one inning last year, one game. No idea why when we have fucking I'm, I'm going to get Tyler Chatwood pitching, whatever. But uh, hear me <laughs> out. Like you also have like a little bit of like you had a chip on your shoulder, right? Like you're there, you're pitching against the, your former team that obviously I'm not going to say they didn't watch you, but obviously they never gave you a chance. So was that also playing like a factor in your head? Like, listen, I got to let this motherfucker eat and show these fans because they mentioned you played for the Jays on the broadcast about 500 times. Like it was like it was take a drink every time they mentioned Brian Baker played for the Blue Jays. So is yeah. that something that you were like, all right, like, let's go. Let's let, let's show them why I deserve to be a, a big league guy. Yeah, no, I think it, it it would be crazy to say that that doesn't kind of seep into your brain a little bit. I think uh, especially we're, we're all competitive people and we all want to, you know, do our very best. So it's yeah. like the way I mean, the way that I think about it, it's yeah, anything to uh, to boost the adrenaline, boost the kind of the energy going into it, a, a, an appearance bring it on, you know, the more, the better. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely probably played into it as well. And, um, yeah, that was one of the ones that stuck out where it's just like, yeah, you know, I feel good and I'm just going to go out there and rip it pretty much. That was, that was actually the series when I kind of realized like in the back of my head, I was like, man, this Orioles team is kind of legit. Like, I think I said on that other part, po- like on the gate 14 podcast, I was like, this bullpen is fucked. Like I, every single time you guys brought out a dude, it was like a one, four, three ERA. And then, by the way, this Dean Kramer kid is fucking disgusting. Like, yeah. I was watching yeah. him a couple of days ago. I'm like, what, where did this motherfucker come from? I've never heard of this dude in my life. And he's just yeah. nasty. So it's like, it's a, it's a test, man. I mean, all, all you guys have gone to chance and you've kind of elevated your game and it's showing the win streak has been incredible. And uh, every single guy in that bullpen and that like rotation, it's like, it's just bananas. What's the locker room like right now? Like, are you guys pound like, Obviously, at the off day today, when you guys were flying to Baltimore, were there a couple of road beers with the boys? It was a celebration, obviously, so a win streak celebration or what? Yeah, no, I think it's it's been uh, the vibes have been very high for. Uh, I mean, especially this whole this whole uh, winning streak here. But yeah, I think we, I, I think it, it does go back a little bit further. Like you said, I think uh, in Toronto we played really well. I think we ended up splitting that series, yeah. but. I think we knew, um, I mean, several times with the Yankees, I mean, we showed that we could kind of hang um, earlier this year. So I think it's just been a kind of a slow thing where we were kind of finding, finding our footing um, that first month or so. And then, um, and then, like you said, guys started throwing the ball well. So we started putting together some good at-bats and, you know, some good things happen. But, yeah, I think um, – we've definitely enjoyed this past uh, week or so, especially putting together the streak. And then, you know, we've got awesome stuff going on with, with Jorge Lopez making the all-star team. Uh, It seems like we've had, 
you know, seven birthdays in the last like three weeks, like everybody's birth. I mean, it's, everything's just, um, pretty, pretty awesome around our clubhouse right now. So it's really cool to be a part of. Dude, that's one thing I miss, man. And that's, if I can give you any piece of advice for my dumb brain is, is I miss just the, I don't like, I couldn't tell you what I did majority of my, uh, my Juco career, obviously I have below my body weight. That's like what I'm known for, but I couldn't tell you like, just the the vibes in the clubhouse when the boys are buzzing when everyone's having a good time it's undefeated it's the greatest feeling of all time so you're mentioning i mean that clubhouse is but is on on the loose like who's the who's the team jester who's the funny guy who's the glue guy in that locker room that's keeping everyone close um <laughs> i think we have several i think that's what makes it pretty cool i think um you could go se- several different avenues there but obviously the bullpen guys are are together a lot we spend the whole our all of the games down there hanging out and messing around so i gotta go um uh, joey crable is up there for sure um he's one of the guys that's kind of always letting loose messing around with everybody and um we got a couple other jokesters down in the bullpen sino perez is a is an yeah. absolute hoot he's hilarious and then uh i mean a bunch of a bunch of the other guys too i mean uh, anthony santander is uh definitely a guy that's that's always trying to mix it up and have some fun or uh rude Ned or door um and then i think like guys like mancini and, and robbie Chirinos and um and jordan lyles are kind of like that veteran presence to kind of bring everybody together at the same time while we're um you know we have a, a younger group so it's um just that mixture of everything really just being able to kind of have a good time um whenever we need to and then you know be able to you know show up and put in the work as well do you look at guys like Adley Rutschman and are and do you like kind of say in the back of your head, like, man, fuck this guy. Like, and I'm not, no disrespect to him. Like just the fact that he's incredibly good looking credit to him. Like one of the best looking, like the guy takes off his mask every, every second pitch to show the kid, <laughs> they get some camera time. He's one of the best looking dudes of all time. Do you just look at this dude and you're like, top prospect, nasty at the game of baseball, unbelievably good looking, probably DMs are just flooded with college girls all over the Maryland area. Is that one of the guys you look at and you're like, well, this guy just has everything. Is that one of the most impressive guys on that team? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. It's uh, he's uh, he's the full package, man. He's a uh, he's a pro. He's uh, he's came right in and um, he's done an awesome job. Yeah, he's 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 cool to see uh, someone show up every day and go to work. And um, you just know that. Uh, that things are going to pan out well for him. It's just the way, the way that he goes about his business and how talented he is. Uh, yeah. It's, it's cool. To see, uh, he's, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely put himself in a good position uh, long-term. So yeah, he's fun to go to work with. He's just so electric, like, and he's just so nasty too. It's just, he has everything. It's just incredible to see. You just love to see it, especially because I've heard he's a really good guy. So it just 100%. makes it, it just makes it way better. What's it like throwing to him though? Because obviously you've never thrown to him before this year. Is it, did you got like, did you have to adjust to some of like the sequences you go through or did you guys click right off the bat? Yeah, no, we, we definitely, um, well, the way it worked out with spring training, I never even got to throw to him. Wow. Uh, he had like the, he had the tries, he had like the triceps thing going on. Yeah. I never, I had never actually even thrown a bullpen to him. Nothing until I went into a game at, in Yankee stadium and in extra innings. It was the first time I've actually like actually thrown him a ball. So that was, <laughs> That was a, that was, that was a tough one, but uh, yeah, no, we, we've kind of clicked pretty quick after that, just kind of uh, feel each other out for uh, a few outings. And then now we're starting to get everything dialed in to where we need to be. So yeah, he's a, 
and it was that way with more than just me. So he, he came onto the scene and kind of had to learn quick with a bunch of different guys and having to manage the whole staff. And uh, obviously Torinos has done a good job kind of showing him the ropes as well. Cause he's just a, he's just a pro who's been doing it for such a long time. So um, yeah, he's come in and, and done a great job. He's adjusting. He's, he's getting better. It's like we've noticed over the past, like two weeks, two, three weeks, he's just kind of like, each day he's doing something that's sticking out. It's like, okay, the, he's, he's starting to settle in and, and become, you know, what we know he can. So it's, uh, it's been cool to see. What's, uh, what's Brandon Hyde like? Because with the memory that I have of him is him and Robbie Ray last year going toe to toe borderline fighting on the mound, because I don't know what was happening. I, I, I it was in the back. I don't even remember what happened, but he's a spark plug, right? Like he's that manager that's going to get in guys asses if they're fucking around. Like, is he in a, what is like, is he a player manager? What is he like? Yeah, no, I think he's definitely a player's type of guy. I think he's uh, he's he's pretty easygoing, and he's it's exactly like you said. He's got that intense presence where you know uh, he's he wants to win. So um, whenever we show up to the field, we're not you know second guessing about what what the intentions are of that day. I think we we all know what we came here to do, and um, I think Hyde Hyde sets that tone. Uh, he's he's super fun to play for. I think he's he does a great job. I'll always respect a manager that'll get in other players' ears. It's just like the biggest power move of all time. Because first of all, you know, you know, the player's not going to do shit. Like, could you imagine the headline of Robbie Ray like trying to fight Brandon Hyde? He was just like the biggest <laughs> clown show of all time. So I respect Brandon Hyde knowing his place and just being like, I'm going to get in Robbie Ray's ear here. It's just a power move. So credit <laughs> to Brandon Hyde for that. But Camden Yards, where you guys play, have you start like with the more and more success you guys have? And I haven't, I haven't looked at the attendance numbers, but. Have you noticed like a more intense presence, like with the fans, like just more electric as the season goes and like how as your success goes? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think, um, I think no matter what with like the, the bigger in, in division stuff, there's, there's going to be a bigger crowd, but um, yeah, with the Yankees, Red Sox, those guys come to town, it's obviously going to be more people, but I think just this whole last homestand was um, we started to notice a, a, an electricity of the yard, um, especially just with the, the holiday, like July 4th and then the yeah. wind streak going on and then Trout and Otani come to town and it's like, you know, people kind of want to come see it. And then what was awesome was the other day, was, I think it was a Saturday game. It was kind of rainy all morning and it was kind of like one of those things where we weren't sure if it was going to be like a nice clean game. We're probably going to have some drizzle and stuff. And I think we did have a, a couple of light showers, but the, the fan, the stands were still pretty much packed. So that was pretty cool to see where we probably had 30 plus thousand there, um, even with pretty bad weather. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's starting to get pretty awesome to, to kind of feel that energy. And, and it, I think it, it definitely affects us players to where we kind of have that little extra pep in our step, um, trying to go out there and win. And I'm fascinated with like off the field stuff. So are the fans there like that crazy? Because, uh, like I know Spencer Watkins, he's coming on the show a little bit later, like later in the, the month. I noticed he's like was signing autographs, like outside of the clubhouse fans waiting for you guys, stuff like that. Are the fans there? Like, do they recognize you? And like when you're walking around like the ballpark and stuff like that, is it that massive there right now? Um, I, I think it may, I mean, I can, I can't speak for other people. I'm sure they're probably easier to recognize, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's starting to, to, uh, to be that way for certain guys. I think, um, I don't really, I don't really walk around too much uh, outside the park, but um, 
I'm sure, I'm sure guys definitely started to get noticed, especially those guys that are, you know, had those stellar first halves that are borderline all-stars. So it's a, uh, yeah, that's, it's pretty cool to see. Where do you stand on that? Like, obviously, like, do you stand on the part where you want to get noticed? Like you, you want to get noticed? Like what level of fame do you like expect? Like, do you think is perfect playing pro baseball? Like, do you want to get noticed everywhere you go? Or do you want to just have no one really notice you? Like, cause obviously uh, the more you get noticed, the better you are. Like, I guess the better you are, the more success you're having. But at what point is like, I feel bad for guys like fucking Bryce Harper. who can't even go out to eat with his family. He's getting bombarded with a million people. Like what, sure. what, where do you find like the perfect success aspect? I think it's, um, it's, it's probably hard to, I mean, you can't really control it. Um, I think it's something you just got to deal with whatever, whatever really the scenario is, but um, yeah, I, I don't mind laying low. I, I don't really go out and, and do a bunch of stuff, especially during the season with this crazy schedule that we got. So uh, I think a lot of the times it's, uh, I'm catching up on sleep and get, getting to the yard straight from straight from the apartment anyway. So it's um, I don't do a lot of extra stuff, but I'm, I'm good with laying low. I'm sure some guys are the same way, especially that when, like you said, the those big name guys can't go, you know, get some dinner without being hassled. Like I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine just you wanted to just like go, go get some ice cream with your family. And there's just like, it's impossible for people not to ask you for pictures. Like I just couldn't even imagine right. how wild that would be. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure Ali Rutschman's getting noticed everywhere he goes in Baltimore. The guys like put the social media team jerks him off. It's like posted <laughs> on every fucking two weeks, but I, it, it's incredible. You, sometimes it's what it comes with the territory of being the biggest prospect in baseball. But, and yeah. uh, you mentioned Jorge Lopez and I want to talk about him because he's such a fascinating story to me because obviously he struggled really bad as a starting pitcher and they made the move to move him to the bullpen, make him become the closer. And holy shit, dude, like his stuff is incredible. It's crazy to me. And maybe you can explain it to me. How does that make sense that a guy like can struggle as a starter, but then as a closer, it's just lights out the greatest stuff you've ever seen. It's like, it's a crazy facet to me. I don't know. Like, can you explain that to the listeners? Yeah, I, uh, I went through a transition myself. I, I started my in rookie ball uh, in 2016 when I was drafted by the Rockies. And then going into 2017, I had a pretty bad spring training and then was basically moved to the bullpen for um, 27, starting in 2017 in mm -hmm. low A. So um, whenever you go through that switch, I think um, I think a lot of it is just knowing that you you can kind of let it eat just for a shorter period of time where you, you know, you don't really have to throw five, six innings. Um, just that alone, I think can add a couple miles an hour to your stuff and make it sharper just from intent where you're not worried about saving anything um, for a lot uh, you know, a later inning or so um, without alone was a huge jump. And then you get the, the added effect of adrenaline later in the game too. So where you come in that. and you have, you know, a bigger situation and you know, you just need to get, you know, three outs, four outs, whatever it may be. Um, it's a, it's a different, it's a totally different feeling coming into a game like that, as opposed to starting it and having to roll through, um, you know, five or six innings or however many, or, you know, however long you can go. Um, it's just a totally different mindset and some people are built for it and some aren't. Um, everybody finds kind of their little niche, what they kind of prefer. Uh, I know for me, it was like an immediate, like, 
light bulb shattering like moment where it was like, okay, I, I should have been doing this uh, a lot longer. Like I'm way better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way better out of the bullpen. Than, and, than I was the, yeah. So the, I, it seems like Jorge has gone through the similar thing because he goes out there and it's just like electricity from him every time. So I think it was, it's, it's almost like freeing. It's like, okay, now I can go out there, just let it loose, get three or four guys out and my day's over. And I'm sure some of the people that listen to this podcast uh, gamble and they can understand where I'm coming from here. When you see the Jorge Lopez walk into the mound and you bet against the Orioles, you might as well just fucking turn the game. Like the guy is, uh, he's a better's nightmare. He's just, you, when he's in, it's lights out, game over. Jorge Lopez is going to shove. It's incredible to watch. So I got to tip my cap to that. And this, this is a true circle between me and you here. This is the official official true circle is, 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 is is coming out of the bullpen substantially better than starting? I'll be honest. I'm a massive, massive bullpen. I'm a bullpen advocate. Fuck starting. Oh man, yeah. I yeah. I, I think I'm sure there's both sides of this of the story, but um, yeah. In terms of my of my experiences, bullpen bullpen. So all day. it's so much better, dude. And hear me out. Yeah. Like one, listen. If you're a guy that likes to go into extracurriculars, maybe go out with the boys every once in a while, you can't because you don't know when you're going to pitch. Maybe if you've thrown up a couple pretty good amount of pitches the day before. But yep. you get to just chill in the bullpen with the boys, muck it up. You're not really – you're not that focused on the game the first couple innings. Maybe throw in a dip, a snuff pack, whatever whatever you're doing. Maybe <laughs> make a red man. And then you get to dial it in for like two or three innings in a game. And just let the fucking ball, like, let it eat. It's the it's yep. the greatest thing of all time. I I yeah. wish I was good enough to be a bullpen guy. Yeah, no, it, it really is. It's uh, it's it's like you said. There's a lot. There's a lot of different uh, routines, I guess. You kind of adopt where you don't have that structure of a starter, where you know you're going to throw, you know, every fifth day, and you have your bullpen on the third day, and then you have your lift and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, bullpen guy. It's it's kind of a day by day thing, and um. Yeah, it's totally different, and uh, I think once you get used to it, it's it, it gets even better. Yeah, I, I think uh, we got some of the best jobs there there are out there. It's it's, the it's the greatest. It's like it's it's a backup quarterback in football, but you actually play. Like it's it's the greatest <laughs> thing of all time. It's yeah, great. it's like a backup quarterback that comes in in a huge situation, and you just get to rip it for you know a couple of plays. <laughs> exactly. It, it's great. It's it's literally the it's the Mona Lisa of positions in sports because one and we talk about like the being noticed thing. If you're a good bullpen arm, you're not really that recognizable of a face when you go out. Like I exactly. guarantee you and no respect to Lopez, but he doesn't really get noticed. But he's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. It's great. 100%. It's the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, that that's that's definitely true, too. We're uh, especially if we're coming in at, you know, 11 o'clock at night when some some of the people are going to sleep or we're going into extra innings and they're like uh you know this game's we'll see how it ends up tomorrow and <laughs> we, you don't even see us throw so yeah sometimes we fly under the radar it's pretty nice it's, it's, it's awesome uh, it, it's awesome it's, it's a good gig it's awesome it's the great it's just i, I love bullpen I, I will always be a bullpen advocate and starting is the most stressful thing of all time like you <laughs> the thing is when you're starting there's just like a bit when you get like two three days away from start day it just starts you're all right now i gotta study these hitters now I got to know, all right, am I going to go six innings today, seven innings? If it's a bullpen guy, it's all right, I'm going one, two here. I'm going to let this shit eat because I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go in the next two days, three days, whatever. It's the greatest thing of all time. I love it. I'm a bullpen guy. That's that's the clear, that's the message of this podcast is the love bullpen. that. 
the greatest thing of all time. So, and speaking of a bullpen, we got to talk about our guy that connected me and you is Hobie Harris. I don't know if you've got a chance to take a look at this guy's stats, but he is body bagging dudes in the minors. And for the people that don't, that haven't seen it, he's 29 innings, 2.17 ERA. Someone get this man out of AAA. I would murder yep. someone for him to be back on the Jays. I really would. He's just a freak. 2.17. What was it like playing with that guy? Cause you guys kind of, I wouldn't say you guys have like the same sequence of pitches and stuff like that, but you guys are kind of similar in aspects of like throwing fuzz. It just, it's, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. hundred percent. He was, uh, he was, uh, an unbelievable part of that bullpen that we had last year in AAA, um, in Buffalo slash Trenton with that crazy. <laughs> season. <But laughs> um, yeah, dude, he's, he's obviously a stud. I'm waiting for him to get that opportunity as well. He's, uh, yeah, he's got that, you know, upper nineties fastball with this gross splitter and, and curveball cutter, you name it. It's, uh, and it's, it's something, somebody that I loved playing with because we were both, you know, relatively psycho whenever we pitch yeah, um, exactly. kind of the way, the way we are. So, um, it was nice to have another, uh, a fellow psycho out there. Um, yeah. I'd watch him go to work every day and just annihilate hitters. It's, uh, Super fun to watch. I'm ready. I'm ready to see him pitch in the big leagues as yeah. well. It's going to be awesome because he's been he's been, he's been grinding for a while. He's been grinding 100%. for a while. He, he deserves his shot. I mean, 2.17 ERA in the minors. Like, come on. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Man. And it's in people don't, uh, I mean, people don't necessarily realize that some of the journeys that, that these, these guys go through to get their shot at, at the, at the big leagues. So it's, I know he's been at it for a long time and, he works as hard as anybody I've ever seen. So he's, he's, uh, he's well overdue uh, to get that opportunity. I think he's going to kill it when he does. The best way to learn a language, immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, and when you're talking about, like, psychopaths, we've, uh, I'm obviously, I'm known as a name drop guy, so we've had David Bednar, all-star, by the way. Congrats to Beds on that on this podcast multiple times he's a psychopath in the bullpen where he legit shadow box against like the outfield wall so like how how would you it's crazy it's crazy what this guy does what do you do in the bullpen that makes you like a registered psychopath um yeah i i, I don't really do anything too crazy until until i'm actually in the game i i i just uh I kind of feed off of, of, of all kind of animosity and energy and uh, just kind of let it all out whenever I'm pitching. I feel like that's uh, another reason why I like to switch to the bullpen so much is where I just kind of could let loose for 
an inning or so and just let everything out and uh, be ready for the next day. That's kind of what's it's been working for me for a long time. So, yeah, I really just uh, I just get very, uh, very into it whenever I'm pitching and, and uh, kind of black out sometimes and have uh, a little bit too much fun. I fucking love that shit. Like, what, what's your walkout song at Camden Yards? Like, when you're about to run out onto that mound, what is the crowd pumping in their ears right now? What What are you doing? Well, if there's, it depends if there's some kind of promo going on in between the innings. But if they if they do play it, it's uh, it's levels by Vici. Oh so my god! It, it builds it builds a little bit. It's pretty. That nice. is all time. I've had tons <laughs> of answers here. Trent Thornton told us it was the stroke. We've had t- David Bednar's is a massive Pittsburgh one, which is you got to get renegade. We got to give respect to that as well. But uh, levels, whole, you want to talk about either? It, it looks like fucking Jersey Shore in the in the in the, in the bleachers when uh, <laughs> it looks like yeah, Jersey Shore in the bleachers when you're coming in, man. Is that, that, would be what, is that was that your thought process with that? You wanted little fist pumps, maybe? Yeah, I think um, I've had I've I haven't strayed from it for like probably four years now uh, <laughs> i just went through like a, I went through a big abici phase and that's just the one that it's a, it's like a universally known tune which kind of like gets everybody you know a little bit hyped up so i uh i figured it'd get me hyped up get the fans hyped up and that's kind of what that's i was going so for. sick dude that's why i'm a, I, that's why i'm a brian baker guy like that's the it's the little <laughs> it's the little attention to detail that i respect the fuck out of so what part is it at like is it is it like the is it the course or what part are you like, what part are they starting? Uh, uh, it's like the, it's like the radio edit. So it's kind of sh- the intros like shut, like closer down. So it's, they play it from the beginning, I guess, but it's, uh, wow. Yeah. It gets, it gets to the the part you need to get to whenever they play it. Oh so dude. It, it like, the, Oh, like the, sometimes I get a good feeling like that yeah. part. Oh yeah. my God, dude. Sure. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, if I, I might have to come down to Camden just to hear that shit. Who, hey, what are a couple of the other ones on the team? Like that fire the people up a little bit. Like what's Jorge Lopez's. Um, I honestly don't even know. They have like the flames. They have like the flames going around like the whole stadium. Whatever. Really? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure of the song. I know for uh, for Sino Perez, it's it's uh, it's like this Spanish and English song. It's like making it hot. I'm making it hot, and it's <laughs> and it has like a kind of a drop. Uh, that one's that one's pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure about too too many other guys. I think uh, of course Ali Rutschman's is gorgeous by Kanye. What I'm so I'm looking at I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Yeah, there's, there's like a small list. They don't really have everyone on here. Uh, they have yours. Uh, they have yours. Um, who are we missing here? Jorge Mateo is Rico Dacuna. No idea what that song is, but it sounds like an absolute banger. Yeah. <laughs> and we got yeah perez's is hot by pitbull and die yankee yeah. that's yeah. electric that's a good one that's a good one man you yeah. guys are you buzzing with little the perez coming out there throwing 99 which is just awesome so yeah that's a good Bruce one zimmerman's is psychopath shit rooster by allison chains yep that's psychopath i mean <laughs> and, and i couldn't imagine like what camden yards would be like like when it's packed and levels comes on i i couldn't even like Whoever is running the promos, if you run a promo before Brian Baker's coming into the game, I hate you. Like, that's just <laughs> – it's just taken away from the fan experience. That's what it's doing. Like, the levels is just electric, but that yeah, is – Yeah, you got to get the people going. Yeah, you got to get the people going for sure. So, in the number 43, what's the thought process behind that? Because you were that number on the Jays, 
and I'm assuming you've been in the minors, correct? I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm not a stack guy. I'm not uh, like, a, I don't know that, but what's the number, what's the thought process there? I, um, I was like 33, 33 is like one of my, probably one of my favorite numbers. And then just kind of, you know, you eventually as a bullpen guy, just kind of get your number increased to what you're like really available to get, yeah. especially as a younger guy. So um, in the minors uh, the last few years, I think I was like 34 and then uh, 43 was just given to me whenever I got called up by the Jays. Um, and I felt good, good in that number. And then, showed up spring training this year with the Orioles and I was 96 and, uh, oh, no. and <laughs> ended, up, ended up making the opening day roster. We get to Tampa and, uh, and our main club came up and before the first game was like, Hey, like, um, we have other numbers available. If you want to change <laughs> before I was like, I would love to change from 96 to something, <laughs> to something else. <laughs> and, uh, just kind of make, you know, make me feel better a little bit. Um, and 43 was still available. So, um, there was a couple other, I mean, I think, I think it, for me, it probably started at like 37, it was like 37, 39. And then there's some other ones available. Um, so, so I figured I'd stick with 43. That was pretty much the only reasoning there. Yeah. And I want to search up the, so you're, you're competing with a pretty good amount of list of dudes. that played baseball at number 43. I mean, R.A. Dickey, Dennis Eckersley. I mean, you're battling toe to toe with these dudes. You'd love to see it. I was going to start the narrative that you're the greatest number 43 to ever play the game of baseball. Cause I don't know anyone that's ever used that number, but I guess we'll switch that up. I'm not there yet. We'll get there someday. <laughs> hopefully. So I got to bring this up too, because obviously I love the minor leagues. I love the minor league stories. Obviously you had to battle through playing in two different places last year, which is crazy. Trenton with the dog, shout out to the ball dog, by the way, or the bat dog, greatest thing of all time. But uh, I need a minor league story from you. So we've had some crazy minor league stories in this podcast, like absolutely mental ones where fan, like our, probably our funniest story is a fan was at his bachelor party in Beloit, Wisconsin. He went to a Beloit game for his bachelor party, which no idea why. And he, wow. he made a bet with the bullpen guys. He said, if I climb this foul pole, will you like, will you follow me on Instagram? So he just, I have a video of this dude climbing a foul pole in Beloit, Wisconsin, no security there. So what's like, do you have any funny, funny minor league stories? I don't put you on the spot here, but is there any that like immediately come to your mind? Like just fucked up stories from your minor league career? Um, honestly, when you say like fucked up like that, that the first one, I mean, there's, I could probably write a full book about a bunch of different ones, but the one that sticks out is, uh, is New Hampshire. Uh, this is double a with the blue Jays yeah. in, in 2019. Um, it's probably within the first two months of the season, the, uh, pirates double a is in town, the Altoona curve. They're playing, yeah. uh, we're playing in New Hampshire and our, our bullpen, uh, the home bullpen is along the right field line, just like on the field, just literally just like a little silver bench, like a old school, <laughs> you know, minor league bullpen. Um, and we're obviously, I mean, we're right next to the right fielder pretty much. And they're, they're on defense and we just see, at, we can't see really over the fence, um, out past into right field, but we just see these massive rocks being, launched over the fence and they're like landing all like right next to the right fielder and we're like what i mean they're like huge i'm talking like i wouldn't say the size of this water bottle but just huge huge rocks that look like they're coming from like the train tracks back there and we're like trying to let the right fielder know because they're like 
coming literally close to hitting this guy. <laughs> I think this guy, I think I want to say this guy just debuted recently with the Pirates, actually. It's uh, Madris or something was his last name. He was playing right field. I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, and he notices too, I mean, these like just every couple seconds, this huge rocks just being like, fl- like flung right at him. So he's running into the infield in the middle of the game and like trying to call time. And the umpires are like, you know, like, what are you calling time for? And you can just see, like, you can start to see these rocks being thrown onto the field. And I'm telling you, if they, I mean, if they would have hit somebody, like, you could have been injured. These things were huge. They're like, what is going on? So apparently, like, some, I mean, I don't know, a couple of people that were just hang, hanging out by the train tracks out past, like, right field in New Hampshire, just decided it was a good idea to throw some rocks out there. So we had to stop the game and somebody from the staff of uh, the Fisher Cats had to go out there and stop these people from throwing rocks on the field. So that one, uh, that one, that one sticks out as just oh crazy. Like what the hell am I watching? You know, type stuff. What's a fucked up town you've been to like a town where it's you're, you're where the fuck am I like that type of town? Um, man, uh, there's, there's, there's several of those too. I'd there's some Hager, bad ones. Hagerstown, um, that gets out a little bit. Oh, Hagerstown gets roasted on this podcast. Hagerstown, <laughs> Hagerstown and Beloit, Wisconsin, Beloit, Wisconsin. And I say this almost every podcast, they catch the most ricochet shots. I genuinely do think that we bullied them into building a new stadium. Like they built a new stadium because I was just posting all these clips from players saying like, where the fuck, like, and and Beloit, I don't know if you played there, but their clubhouse, there was no gravel on the ground, like concrete. It was sand. So like their their oh, clubhouse, like it'd be your locker and then just sand on the ground. It was like it looked like you're, it looks like you're in fucking um Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville in the, in the clubhouse. <laughs> it's crazy. So what was Hagerstown yeah, like? Uh it it was better than that, it sounds like, but I just remember like it was low A in 2017. Uh we opened up the season there. So it's obviously still pretty early in the year and it was just freezing. And we had like one little, like, like just foldable table in the middle of this like row of like <laughs> old, like wooden lockers that were like two feet wide that you couldn't even, I mean, you could probably hang up like three shirts in there. And uh, I just remember freezing that whole time and just being like a, a, a small town with, without anything really going on and they're just being like okay this is uh this is this is how we're gonna start the season <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy and the thing that's even crazier is like for instance jacob de doing a rehab stint like could you imagine taking jacob de to hagerstown and he's in this clubhouse and he's a multi-million dollar the best pitcher maybe ever and he's in this clubhouse like what in the flying fuck am i doing in this like i'm a professional baseball player it's crazy i can't yeah. believe it is, that, yeah, is Hagerstown still around? I don't know if it is. I'm Let me not search positive. It up. Definitely was in, in 2017. I'm not sure anymore. Hagerstown Suns. Uh, Might be like indie ball or something. Uh, no, it's Class A for the Washington Nationals. Yikes. Still got them. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that's nightmare fuel. But, um, yeah, so a couple more things I wanted to talk about. So you, you the, your team is buzzing, obviously, like we've been talking about this whole episode. Who's one guy that you've seen offensively 
that stood out to you the most? Like that's the most impressive with what he does at the plate that you think it's like, I, I would love to just pitch against this guy just to see where I kind of stand against them. Um, ooh, that's uh, you could definitely go several different routes. I'd probably say, probably say Mountcastle or, or Rushman who we were talking about earlier. I think with, uh, with Mountcastle, he just has like raw juice, like, like watching him, hit BP is just like hilarious when he just decides he wants to crush Paul. <laughs> he just absolutely like tanks it like over everything. It's uh, I think that would be, I mean, he's super fun to watch. And then when he gets a hold of a ball, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty fun. And then with Rushman, it's just more of like a, a pro like patient at bat where it's like, he seems like he's pretty comfortable. Like if, no matter what the scenario is, um, if, if he falls down, Oh, two, like you feel completely comfortable with him getting back to two, two, three, two into like more of a hitter's count. And I think that's Same. super impressive to you as well. Ryan Mountcastle is Toronto Blue Jays fans worst nightmare. I'm almost positive. He hits like 700 against the Jays. Like <laughs> I, I think that's his career stats. I don't know if you guys talk about that, but this guy is every single time he plays the Jays, he's just the best hitter that's ever walked this planet. And he's nasty, man. He's yeah. holy shit. He's so good. And, and we're talking BP here. What type of pitcher are you in BP? Are you shagging, having a good time with the boys, maybe packing a dip? Like, what are you doing in BP? You having a good time? Uh, yeah, I'd say a lot of the time I, me and Dylan Tate are talking some deep, uh, like, pitching philosophy where we're, like, really, like, spinning wheels, trying to figure out what our tendencies are, and we talk about all kind of stuff. Or we can flip the switch and actually, you know, try to go catch some fly balls and as long as we're out of the way of, if, you know, if there's an outfielder taking reps or something, um, I'd say about 25% of the time I'm trying to go out there and, you know, make a couple of good catches. But other than that, I'm, I'm usually rehydrating, got a water bottle and, and shooting the shit, talking about baseball, talking about something. Are you the type of guy that's like, uh, like a community service guy where you're giving a shit ton of baseballs to the fans? Or are you like, fuck the ball vultures like foul ball guy <laughs> like foul ball guys public enemy number one on this podcast like i think he's just the worst human being of all time just because he just steamrolls kids to get baseballs so yeah. where are you at with that like are you are you a generous dude with giving balls away to like grown men or are you strictly to the kids uh i i lean way more to the kids and i and it's I think it's just unreasonable to expect us to field every single ball and throw it up. You know, like, <laughs> like we, we have to keep some of the balls. So it's like at, at some point in time, like if you're, if you're just, you know, you're just going to be labeled a dick by somebody, no matter you know, what, no matter yeah, what you can't, you can't win them all and you can't throw them all up. Like, fans if you're listening to this i i apologize i literally can't throw every ball up to you or else we'd run out of balls um <laughs> yeah I, I prefer to give it to a, a kid that is not sitting there you know screaming at us just to give him a ball um you know maybe ask ask politely that's uh, one of the I'd, things that i always get and 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 maybe like fans don't realize this but one day you're gonna just keep giving balls up you're gonna check your game check and there's like a two thousand dollar difference of fucking <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be like baker's out giving the fucking full bucket to fans out here there's your stip at i mean you're, you gotta pay for this shit so yeah. and you mentioned the kids and everyone always says in toronto they always hear like please before from every single kid is that one of the biggest differences you notice like playing in the u.s I, i'm not obviously not a shot at u.s but I, every single guy that comes on this podcast 
they say like there's kids that are just like ball, ball, ball. It's never please. It's just always, but they expect it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has gotten to that point where it's, it's very unfortunate that um, it, it seems that no matter what the time scenario time during the game, during VP, it seems like it, our primary purpose at times is just to, to give out, you know, balls to people <laughs> for whatever reason. Like, I don't really know what you're going to do with the ball. <laughs> like, Me neither. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's gotten to the point where, I mean, during the game, like there's a lot of people that literally just come to the bullpen and just kind of like stare in there and are just like, like you said, just kind of like demanding a ball. And it's like, that doesn't seem like uh, why you would want to come to a baseball game, like maybe watch the game yeah. a, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I understand wanting to get a souvenir. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd say I give them out um, whenever I can. Uh, I, I'm not a huge generous guy because like I said, it's not, uh, it's not really the whole experience. I don't think everybody came in there just to get a ball. So, um, yeah, I try to give them out when I can though, for sure. Who, who's, who's one guy on that team that is signing autographs for like three hours pregame. Like that's you're like, all right, like let's take it fucking easy. He's just down the line for like an hour, just head down broad as Sharpie. That's just, just unbelievably generous with the autographs. Who's that one guy? Um, I don't, I don't really know. I, I think during the times that we have um, stuff where we're kind of going out there to the field, I, I don't think there's as much opportunity for that. But I do see I do see Mount Castle showing some love. He, he kind of sets aside some time to uh, to sign some youngster stuff, which is cool, uh, whether it be before or after a game. I think he's probably the one that sticks out. He has a but it's not, it's not over the top. So I think uh, everybody's pretty good about, you know, trying to trying to sign as much stuff when they can, but, you know, not overdoing it. I can respect that. Like, and listen, the autograph thing is sick, but there's obviously a time and place, bro. It's not like when you're walking out to the bullpen, I'm not signing a guy. One thing that I've noticed that's the most ridiculous thing, and this is completely off topic, is if a bullpen pitcher or a starting pitcher is getting shelled and they're walking to the dugout, why in the fuck does the umpire check his hand? Like, were you cheating and you were this bad when you're cheating with foreign substance? Is that not the craziest thing? Yeah. It's like, I saw it the other day. Obviously, a Jays bullpen guy got shelled, and he's walking to the, the dugout, and he has to stick his hand out and show the ump he's not cheating. He didn't even get an out. It's like, what? It was Romo, Sergio Romo. He's walking to the dugout, and he's he just got walked off. He shows his hand. It's like, what? What, you think yeah. he was cheating? There's a... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I guess they're trying to keep it universal and check everybody, but they also do mix it up with just inning to inning where we had like, we had guys that some, like some guys just don't get checked, I guess sometimes. And then we had like, <laughs> we had Jorge run into the game to close it out uh, the other day. And it's like the umpire walked all the way out into center field. And like he, he took, he didn't even get like halfway across center field before he had to like, he had to take off his hat. He had to take off his glove. I thought he was going to have to take off his belt for a second. I'm like, they did like pick and choose when to, when to do stuff, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, to your point, when you're having as much success, I guess they want to check a little bit closer. Yeah, you know, definitely want to take a little, but, uh, take a little, yeah, yeah take I a mean, little if, check. If I go, if I go out there and I have a rough one, I, I certainly don't want to get, you know, checked all over where it's like, obviously I didn't, I wasn't cheating. <laughs> if like, I'm cheating and I'm doing this, like I couldn't even, like, I don't even know what it's happening if I'm not cheating. It's like the craziest visual of all time. It's, yeah, it's bananas yeah. to me. And I want to talk about the baseballs actually, because, uh, 
I'm, yeah, it's like a, a lot of guys say it's like every single baseball you grab is different. I don't know if it's different now, but what has been like your experience with some of these baseballs? Like, is it like different every single one? Some of the seams are up. Like, what's the difference? Um, yeah, I, I think it, it depends on a bunch of different stuff. It, there's definitely been a pattern of um, just kind of a random assortment of, of a ball that, you know, and obviously the weather is going to affect the way that you're yeah, for sure. sweating and the way you feel. Just fumbled my phone. Um, the way uh, you know it comes out of your hand, it's going to change. Um, but yeah, there there has I'd say I definitely noticed um, where you know some balls feel like you know it has some good tack good tack to it. You feel like um, you can actually spin a breaking ball and um, you know hold on. There's ones where um, it feels like they haven't even been rubbed up and they're like like a pool ball like slick with like a fat lace on it to where it's like there's and it makes a huge difference so um yeah i definitely have noticed you know, whether it be you know with my role that i've i've pitched in a bunch of different times throughout the game where I've, like i know i've started i've you know i come in early i come in late whenever i think that probably plays into it as well but i've gotten a, a random assortment of like the quality of baseball throughout the season no doubt I'm no under doubt. the illusion that they just go to foul ball guy's house and reach into his bathtub and just grab like a hundred baseballs for the game in the city that he's in that day. Like that's what I'm under the assortment. Like that picture of him <laughs> in his bathtub, which is baseballs fucking surrounding this dude is crazy. And I don't know if you've seen that video. It's so outlandish. There's a YouTube video, like documentary about him. And he goes to the game in two different hats to make like the players be like, Oh, you're an Orioles fan. I'll throw you up a ball, which is not what players are thinking. First of all, like, that's just, that's just, Oh, I'm going to throw a ball to an Orioles fan. Like it's like the a, a Orioles fan. That's a grown man. Dare I say like right. a grown, a grown adult. Like I'm going to throw right. a ball. I'm, oh, he's an Orioles fan. I'll throw him a ball. That just is not the thought <laughs> process at all with that. So it's crazy to me. So the last thing I want to talk about here is I, I, I love tapping into pit, like bullpen guys minds. And we talked about the uh, like, what you do in the bullpen when you're chilling and shit like that. What's the pregame routine or like that setup routine that you guys have, or do, that you have, do you go through a same setup every single day or how are you rolling? Um, it kind of, it kind of depends on how I feel to where like, um, you know, if, if I didn't pitch the day before, then I'm more likely to pitch that day. And, um, you know, I probably have, I probably feel better, probably throw a little bit more before the game. Um, or, you know, if, if I haven't pitched in three days and I want to throw like a quick bullpen, um, you know, a couple hours before the game, whenever we do our throwing program and stuff, um, it really just depends on, um, kind of what the day before entailed or like the, what the last few days have entailed. Um, so that's what makes it tough, but yeah, there's a, there's a set, I would say there's a set, uh, like base routine that I would, that I do pretty much every day, at least to make sure the bodies, um, you know, activated and loose before I go um, play catch before the game. And then the same thing um, during the game for, you know, for me, I, I usually start moving around in like the third inning um, just doing some stretching here and there, and then kind of have my activation process that I go through to make sure I'm ready whenever, you know, whatever it could be. Yeah. That's, I mean, I respect that. It's kind of like the same thing. And this is actually the last thing I want to bring up here. I see on your Instagram, you're a golf guy. And obviously you went to school in Florida credit to me for doing the research UNF shout out UNF, if that's what it's called properly, but yeah. what, what's your golf game? Like, like what, what, where's the handicap lie for you? Are you nasty at golf too? 
Um, I, I honestly, I'm not anymore. I, I used to be pretty good. My first two, so my first two off seasons of pro ball, I, I went and lived back at home with my parents and worked at a golf course like near my hometown. So I got to play free golf yeah. for two, two full off seasons and, you know, had the opportunity to play a little bit, practice a little bit. And, uh, I got pretty good. I grew up on a golf course. My cousin played golf in college. You know, I had some, like some experience and then it's like, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it because I, I went through a phase where I was just absolutely terrible and, and you know, being, being, uh, overly competitive, I was naturally not very happy about how bad I was. So, <laughs> um, there was, there's been, uh, a period of love hate relationship with golf, but I'm, I'm buying back in. Um, it's hard not to, you know, in in Florida in the off season, um, you know, you got some time to kill. You got other buddies from the gym that want to, you know, go out and play 18 or play nine, whatever. So I'm starting to try to get back to, you know, where I, I should be. But right now it's uh, I'm going out there and, and just hoping to hit a fairway at this point. <laughs> Aren't we all, brother? Aren't we all? What do you what What do you usually shoot? Like, what's because your bad might be different than the listeners' bad. Like, what's a bad round for you? Are you you're not at hundreds, obviously, right? No, no. See, like, it, it, I think it has to do with you know how much you played from a young age. You know, if you start earlier, it's a little bit earlier to. Or it's a little bit easier to kind of keep it, you know, more respectable. But yeah, if I have a really good day these days, I'll, I'll shoot. Uh, a 78 you know like a oh pretty pretty good round but if i if i don't you know if i don't bring my stuff i, I can easily shoot a 90 to you know 95 so it, it's a yeah it's a big range but we're trying to keep it a little bit lower there it is man that's i mean that, that's that's just incredible to just have like a range like that where you can shoot 70s when you're just dialed in and then yeah Taylor Guerrero is a really good golfer. I don't know if you've crossed paths with him in the minor. Oh league, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you know, you know yeah. TG. Yeah, he's a he's a crazy guy. We work out we work out down in uh, in Palm Beach Gardens in the. He office. always works out on the official unofficial uh, podcast T-shirt. I don't know if you've seen that. He always yep. wears the white tee with the uh, Moon Man on the back of it. He's just he's he's my guy. Like that's my guy right there. Um, he's yeah, disgusting. No, he's, yeah, he is an entirely different level. There's uh, there's some guys that you know part of that uh cressy crew in the offseason rod hand too right have, uh have got their little morning routine they come in and get their their workout done and everything and then they they put it in the man hours on the golf course and uh i'm not quite to that level yet but yeah guerrero's one of the guys that uh that you don't want to be betting money on a golf course with for sure so anyways, man, obviously I'm fired up to see you obviously keep doing your thing. The t Orioles are a wagon to watch or like, obviously you hate seeing it being a Jays fan, but it's incredible to see a team that competitive with a bunch of just kind of uh, guys that just kind of fit together and stuff like that. So you saying you're not like, uh, uh, you're saying you're not, you don't go out and shit like that. So do I mark you off of my list of guys that fr friends of the podcast, I will be going out to dinner with in Toronto. Like, are you off that list now? Or should I write you down August 15th when you're here? August 15th. Uh, I mean, it's Toronto. So I, I think I got to go out and, and experience the city a little bit. So I think we might have to, <laughs> I'll mark you down. I'll mark you down of guys <laughs> that I'm going to be taking out to dinner when you come to Toronto, friends of the podcast. So anyways, Heck man, yeah. I'm fired up for you. I can't wait to keep seeing you do your thing. Obviously the success you've had recently is, uh, is incredible to see not as a Jays fan, but as a baseball fan, um, 
it's just uh, keep doing your thing, man. I, I'm fired up here. I really am. It's going to be uh, that bullpen's been awesome to watch. You've been awesome to watch. So I'll be tuned in. I have the notifications up on you. Anyone that comes at you on Twitter, we're your burner account now. So I will be taking care of that being <laughs> a friend of the podcast. So just keep doing it. Just keep worrying about on the field stuff. I'll deal with the off the field. Okay. That's fair, man. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.